Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The League of Evil Moms. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the episode. I am your slightly dehydrated host, Nobukosi Mafu, and on this show I aim to create a supportive community specifically for African moms raising their beautiful brown skin babies so far from the lands we call home. We're going to talk about what it's like to raise our children outside of the motherland, far away from the families, the cultures and the communities that informed who we are and how we show up in the world. You know, you know it's not always easy, but Together, I am confident that we can provide each other with the tools, the resources, the love, the support that will empower us to empower our children. Now, this podcast, first and foremost, is for my African mamas. I love you. I am you. But I don't discriminate. It's for anyone with children, anyone who loves children, anyone who knows of children, anyone who's ever seen a children or even knows how to spell the word children. In fact, the only people for whom this podcast is not is children. Sorry, little friends, but I have something in the works for you too. This is also the part where I mention that here at the League of Evil Moms, you will sometimes hear the occasional curse word. Word. Oh, but don't worry, worry. As far as I know, no one's ever died from a swear word. However, if I am wrong, please send me an email League of Evil Moms Podcast at gmail.com. I am not trying to be out here killing people, I'm trying to help people. Now, if you are tuning in for the first time, welcome. You are among friends, and if you are a returning listener, thank you for your continued support. It means a lot to me. Whether you are joining me for the first time or you're a returning listener, if you like what you're hearing, remember to rate the show, leave a review. It makes it easier for other people to find the show. And if you are not enjoying the show, it's okay. I will pray for you because clearly you need it. Now, this is a bit of a longer episode, so I will not have church announcement style intro. So, fellow child raisers, you know the drill. Get comfortable, grab yourself a fat glass of wine or a pint of beer or iti. Hey, I need some water. Um, but hey, grab you some whiskey if you need it, because I know them kids really be trying it with us sometimes. But hey, grab whatever you need, get comfy, get cozy, because the League of Evil Moms has assembled. On this week's Give Yourself a Fucking Break, I am joined by my friend Martina Williams. She is joining me all the way from Atlanta, and she's going to share with us how she gives herself a fucking break. Welcome, Martina. Thank you so much, Nobby. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. So tell me, you've got two little boys how do you carve out the time and what do you do when you give yourself a fucking break <laughs> okay so definitely for me when I want to take time out I go to the gym I hit a little workout and then let off some steam and then I'm good to go and then sometimes I just hang out with a few of my friends over the weekends and just go and have um 
dinner or have a girl night out. That's about it. That's important. That's absolutely important. And I love how you're, when you give yourself a break, you're also like nourishing your body, strengthening it because, you know, working out will give you that happy hormone, those endorphins. Exactly. Yeah. Which can form a good type of addiction. I love it. Yes, yes, definitely. I've been in the working out space since um, 2016. So it's a good five years or more. (laughs) That's amazing. Good for you. Such discipline. Thank you. I had to, after my second son, I was like, okay, let me hit the gym. Let me make some friends in the gym. And yeah, just focus on myself. I think we are so powerful when we listen to our wisdom you know something inside you kind of nudged you to say we need something and you listened and you're better off for it yeah so I'll say that uh, ever since I started working out I mean I've kind of like stuck to a routine I mean it kind of gets me disciplined because like I've been, I'm a morning person so so to say um I usually go out work out in the morning like either like from 5 30 in the morning or 6 a.m. just before I drop the kids off at school. And I guess I do see some benefits in my work environment and just uh, in my social environment, just uh, how I connect with people. It helps a lot. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing us, uh, sharing with us, Martina. Now let's get back to the show. And we're back. So like I mentioned at the top of the episode, today I am joined by Martina Williams all the way from Atlanta and today Martina and I are going to be talking about autism spectrum disorder. Again Martina welcome. (laughs) So Martina you and I went to high school together right? Um, Do you remember when you started at girls college? Yeah um, back in uh, 2002 my second year of high school (laughs) right form two yeah and it's it's been a very very long time since then I know know, girl don't remind me it makes me feel old (laughs) listen my knees my knees remind me every day how old yeah my liver doesn't function the same way at all anymore (laughs) nope do you know that one time I hurt my back just sneezing like I just sneezed and my back was like are you serious? You had it crack? <laughs> something, like I pulled something and it was painful for like a day or two. I was oh, like, wow. you're... <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, but it's so beautiful and wonderful to reconnect, um, to talk about something that in our community, in our Zimbabwean community, in I think a lot of African communities is something that's not very well known and not very well understood. But before we get into that, uh, Martina, tell me about your beautiful brown-skinned babies. Oh, thank you, Nobi. So I have two beautiful boys, two handsome boys. Um, One is 12 years old, his name is Ayo, and his younger brother, Ola, who's eight. So um, Ayo, the 12-year-old, is the one that is autistic and we definitely um, discovered that he was autistic in uh, 2014. Okay, so then he would have been four? Yes. Okay. And what are some of their hobbies? What are some of Ayo's hobbies and Ola's? 
Okay, so um, uh, just recently we discovered that um, Ola likes to play basketball. So he's been enrolled um in basketball since um summer of twenty twenty two, and uh, one of his uh, New Year's resolutions was uh to learn how to swim. So he's been um doing pretty well in the swimming um lessons and stuff like that. So he's into swimming and basketball, and Ayo has just been introduced into coding. So we want to see how far we can push him when it comes to coding. That's amazing. You know, a couple of years ago, actually, I remember reading something about how Google was actually actively recruiting people um, with autism because they realized that because of the way their brains are slightly different than ours, it actually makes them really good at coding. Yes, yes. So definitely we want to empower him at a young age and uh, we noticed that he loved um, computers at a young age. So like at about five, he was just into a lot of um, technology and um, watching a lot of, um, uh, well, also participating in puzzles and things like that. So we definitely want to empower him in that um, space. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So, okay, Martina, you fairly recently moved to Atlanta from South Africa. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Now that must have brought an incredible transition both for you and your boys. So can you tell me a little bit about what your village was like when you were in South Africa versus to what your village is like now in Atlanta? Okay. Okay. Thank you. So definitely I'll say that um, I miss the support that I have from my family in terms of having my mom around, my sisters and friends. So, I mean, when I was back in South Africa, I had the opportunity to have um, my mom babysit my kids, my sister, for example, having uh, my sister to take care of my kids when I'm at work. And um, I mean, just the, 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 the life balance over there was a lot better compared to here. I mean, here I'm just the, uh, the only one in my family I mean, most of my relatives are in, in the UK. So, and some of my relatives are still back in South Africa. And uh, that kind of makes it hard in terms of um, having the emotional support that I need, having a mm. special needs son, you know. So I definitely miss being home, but I mean, I've kind of made it work since that time. So yeah, it's been a, initially it was challenging because when we moved here, we moved um. 2016 October and then already by February of March uh, as in sorry sorry February 2017 I flew back to South Africa I was like I can't handle the U.S. it's just too much for me so in a space of like um five months I was like no I'm calling it quits the U.S. Wow. is too difficult yeah that's how challenging it was wow and mm -hmm. so what what gave you like the strength I guess or the courage to come back I mean uh, uh, the, uh, so uh, what made me come back was the fact that I was like okay listen I'm being kind of selfish with this decision because the main reason for us to relocate from South Africa was for our son because we had just found out that he was autistic and then the main reason for the move was to find better facilities for him here in terms of occupational therapy, speech therapy, and all other things that we need for um, his needs. Mm -hmm. So when I went back home, it was more out of uh, frustration because as a mom that was always in the corporate sector, working 
I wasn't used to being a stay-at-home mom. So that was a whole change to me in terms of like, okay, coming from the corporate environment and then now I have to be a full-time mom, stay at home and things like that. So that was kind of like stressful. And uh, yeah, I had to navigate my way to say that, okay, what kind of online business can I do on the side? And um, I mean, try and balance um, trying to work at the same time and changing schools for the kids and things like that. So, I mean, there was a time when my younger one was when we moved, he was like two at the time. So he wasn't in school at that time. So I had to stay at home with him. And then our, our autistic son was at school. So it was just, yeah, just a whole change, like coming from the corporate world to being a stay at home mom. So that was kind of like a shocker for me initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And having a special needs kid. So everything was hands on on me. So yeah, that was kind of stressful. That's why I kind of like came back. I was like, okay. I mean, let me just come back. I mean, the reason why I moved in the first place is for greener pastures for my son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that must have been so difficult, especially when you were coming from South Africa, a much more familiar society where, like you said, you had so much support to the states where it sounds like your village shrunk considerably. So can you tell me, like, what form does your village take now, now that you're a little bit more settled? Okay, thank you. So, I mean, I guess the support comes from um, friends that, um, a few friends that I knew from back home in terms of, like, um, the church where I grew up in. I used to attend um, New Life Church, so most of my friends are from that church, and then some of them are from high school. So I've reconnected with some... uh, some of the people that we went with to a high school. So those are the people that I kind of like talk to occasionally. And um, I have a few good friends in Canada <laughs> that I speak to over the phone. That that helps a lot. Mm, that's wonderful. So your village is almost like a virtual village. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's important. We need to get support from any place we can you know, in any form we can. And sometimes that requires stepping out of our comfort zones or connecting in ways in which are pretty new to us. Like, I mean, all this virtual, virtual stuff for me, I I didn't really embrace it till the pandemic. But I mean, it sounds like you had to lean on that quite heavily from quite a while ago. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, yeah, thankfully, uh, FaceTime having WhatsApp that kind of keeps me connected with family abroad and a few friends and things like that. So I'd say um, talking to people helps to a certain extent. And I mean, I have a few good friends here in Atlanta as well, so to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so Martina, can you please um, tell the listeners what exactly is autism spectrum disorder? Okay. Okay. Thank you. So, um, in 2014, uh, when my son was um, diagnosed uh, with the autism, we found out that it was like a, a neuro developmental condition. So some kids uh, have a mild condition and then some kids are more severe. And then some kids have um, autism combined together with ADHD. So they'll be extra hyper. So my son kind of falls under the category of um, mild autistic kids. And um, it's characterized by uh, being nonverbal. And then sometimes you can suffer with um, communication um, 
difficulties. So my son kind of is nonverbal, so to say. I'd say that he's been attending speech therapy since um, 2014. And uh, that uh, we are trying to enlarge his vocabulary because we feel that, okay, his talking skills are not yet advanced. So occupational therapy also helps a lot. So it varies. The spectrum is quite broad. So for example, as some of the kids that are more severe, it affects their motor skills to the extent that they can't even hold a pen to write. Mm. And then for some kids, it affects their their eating uh, in terms of like having an eating disorder. So mm. my son had an eating disorder as well initially. He couldn't like handle different types of texture of food because something that we would eat like, for example, me and you, we could have like yogurt. That could be fine. It could taste fine to us. But then for them, something like yogurt can taste like sand to them. So it's a, it's a texture wow. thing. But yeah. <laughs> It goes to that extent. So, and then I noticed when he was younger, around about four, he used to like scratch the back of his um, uh, neck. But then we noticed that he was affected by the labels. You know how we have the little tags on our clothes? Right. So yeah, a texture thing goes a long way. So like uh, it could be, it's texture and sensory things. So some things calm them and then some things irritate them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... What was that like in the time between, you know, your, you noticed that your son was a little bit different to the time that he was diagnosed? What was that period like for you? So, I mean, back in um, 2011, he was like a year old. So he took long to take his first steps. That was one example. So a typical a typical um, boy or girl will start walking like at like 13 months. Some start quick at like nine months. But my son, when I recall, he started walking at one year, five months. So that was like kind of like an eye opener. We're like, okay, why isn't our son walking like so quickly? And then, I mean, we overlooked it at the time. We're just like, okay, some kids are faster. Some kids are slower. Right. Mm-hmm. And then. And then at the time, then we moved to Norway in 2012. We in Norway for like a year. And then so my son didn't get a space in daycare. So he was at home. So when he was at home, he used to watch um, cartoons on TV. And then the language was just in Norwegian, right? There was no option for English cartoons. So for me, I was like, okay, his speech is delayed because he's not even saying mama or baba. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe it's a, a whole language difficulty maybe it's the fact that okay his dad speaks a different language i speak in debele and there's norwegian playing on the telly what could mm. be uh, yeah what could be the issue i'm like okay maybe he's just exposed to different languages like three or more languages at the time and then still that kind of bothered me i'm like okay he's not even saying mama i mean most kids mm-hmm. think at the first age so then his dad was kind of like concerned. He's like, no, this is not normal. I mean, let's take him for a, like a diagnosis and stuff like that. So he was two and then he turned two and then we moved back to South Africa then. So then when we moved back to South Africa and uh, then he joined a regular daycare, we noticed some of the milestone delays, like, you know, like potty training. Mm-hmm. That all took long. I mean, it's rare that you have like maybe a kid that is like, three years old and they're still in their diapers you know like Mm -hmm. 
Because like we were training him, like I was doing my part, teaching him every day, but then he just wasn't grasping it. I'm like, okay, so what's going on? Mm-hmm. So that, that's around about um, 2013. So that was when he was three. And then he was like kind of like saying things a little bit. Then he did start talking a few things like mom, like dad, but a little bit, right? But mm-hmm. another funny thing that I didn't pay attention to, I only knew about it later. He used to repeat what somebody would say, you know? So, and then that is called echolalia in autism because it's like somebody is like a parrot. You just repeat what somebody say, I'm happy. Mm. And then he would say, I'm happy. Hey, he would also say, I'm hey. And then for me, that was like, okay, my son is saying something, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So then um, 2014, Round about May on his fourth birthday, that's when we decided to take him for a full evaluation. We took him to an occupational therapist and then she assessed our son for like a full hour. We also um, involved his pediatrician. So we were like, okay, Ayo has 10-4 and he's still like not making any progress in terms of like speech we're now worried and then he had a repetitive like behavior that we noticed like he would harm himself bang his head on the wall and like how I mentioned earlier on like pulling tags off his clothes mm-hmm. so and then the doctor was like okay let's book a three-hour session we're just gonna watch him and see how he plays and they were like okay bring in a set of toys that are like his favorite right so we brought on some Legos and then a few other toys that he liked. And then we noticed that, okay, the doctor was paying attention when he was playing. So he was just fixed on one color. I still remember his color was like green. He just mm. used to like like um, playing with green toys. He was just playing with the green Lego, arranging it in a certain way, disassemble it and arrange it in a certain way. And then he would go and play with the water, like the tap, he would just open it, run it, close it. And then that would be fun for him. Mm. And then, um, yeah, and then after three hours, then that's when we got the, the, um, the, uh, the verdict from the doctor that, okay, your son is autistic and this condition is like, I mean, <laughs> it's a neurotypical um, condition, like uh, it's not like something that can be treated, you know, but these mm-hmm. ways that you can help your son and empower your son to be a better person in society. So, and then I went home and I read about it. But for me, I was kind of like shattered because I'm like, okay, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, I mean, that must have been incredibly difficult. You know, firstly, when when you do start to notice that your your child's a little bit different, I think all moms were also hypervigilant at the beginning. You know, oh, my baby's not eating. Oh, my baby doesn't have teeth. Um, you know, I had a similar experience with Awami where I felt like he should be walking now. And I went, took him to the doctor and the doctor was like, just relax. And, you know, a lot of the times, you know, we can be dismissed when we have concerns of, oh, don't worry. Oh, don't worry. But, you know, like in your condition, you felt at some point that, no, 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 I need to, I need to investigate this further. Exactly. And so can you tell us a little bit about what was that like? you know right at the beginning right at you know right after you found out the diagnosis in terms of you know was it fear was it um like what was what was that period like for you 
Yeah, so definitely there was a lot of fear because you can imagine at the time I was expecting his little brother. Mm. So um, his dad as well was now concerned. We were both concerned that, okay, is the second son going to be autistic as well? Because the doctors say that sometimes this condition can be like genetic and sometimes all the kids could be autistic. And it, we've seen it in some families whereby the kids are both autistic or like, you know, and the, and the condition is more prone in boys I don't know why mm -hmm. and then so mm -hmm. with in a research at some point they were even like um blaming one vaccine I think it's the one that protects us against meningitis so mm. they were like it could be the MMR um vaccine that could have triggered that like back in um 2010 because my son was born in 2010 so we were looking at different things like okay what could this what could have triggered this mm -hmm. so I mean for me it was a lot of fear I was already expecting my second son and I'm like, okay, is my second son going to be autistic? And then like, and then it kind of explained um, my son's eating habits because my son just used to eat um, cereal, brown flakes were his favorite, brown flakes, rice, basmati rice and chicken and toasted cheese sandwiches and mm. um, like pizza. Oh, yeah, and green apples. So it was and just... green. <laughs> exactly. So, like, you wouldn't eat anything else. If you bring a red apple, you'll just not eat it. Mm. If you buy a different type of pizza, you'll just not have it. If it's the rice um, made in a certain way, for example, fried rice, he might not have it. He just wanted his food in a certain way. And he mm. just wanted warm food, for example. Like, I mean, the only... Um, thing that he had cold were the apples but apart from that everything that I mentioned to you is warm like warm cereal like the brown flakes with warm milk rice mm. it's warm everything just toasted melted cheese that's what he would have uh, uh, carrying on with the topic how it affected me I mean I'd say that I went into um into uh, a shell so to say because I kind of like drifted uh, from some of the friends that I had made back in South Africa because I felt that they didn't um understand the condition so for example let me give you one scenario there was a day when we went to a party a birthday party one of his friends was 10 and 6 at the time and my friend um when she was hosting the party it was a bit noisy and then when my son saw the cake he wanted the cake to be cut immediately like he started having a tantrum he started crying hysterically and then like he ran he bashed his head against the wall he started bleeding so and then for somebody who doesn't understand the condition, they will look at it like, okay, Martina's son is so spoiled. Why couldn't he just be patient and wait mm. for everybody else to cut the cake? So such things, I didn't like the stigma that it came mm -hmm. along with. Like people didn't understand that my son couldn't handle um, different types of foods, like different types of textures of food. And they'll just look at it like, oh, Martina's son is so skinny. I mean, she's not trying hard. They'll be like, oh, Martina, did you, did you know that when we grew up, we were eating like pup, we were eating like veggies. You should give this boy some more pup, you know? Mm, I'm like, so much you know? judgment. <laughs> exactly. Somebody's looking at you like you're not doing your part as a mom. Like give the mm. son like pup and okra. Give the son like, you know, like maybe you're not feeding him enough veggies, but then you don't understand that this is more complex. It comes with texture, handling texture. What's in the child's system, you know? What can you handle? <laughs> yeah, but then people would just be pointing fingers. So that kind of put me in a shell. Yeah. And you kind of alluded to this before because 
back home, mm-hmm. you know, information about autism, you know, it's very limited. And I, I'd venture to say, I think a lot, a lot of people don't know anything about it and might be prone to, like you said, past judgments like, oh, this child is spoiled. This is not a good mother. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, on an, in an earlier conversation this week, you mentioned even that your family thought he was bewitched. So what was having to unpack this diagnosis to your family in such a difficult time? Yeah, so definitely. I mean, when it comes to family, I mean, I'm gonna say it was kind of like from <laughs> my in-laws side of the family, because the one time I went on vacation with my son just for him to see my parents and meet his grandparents at the time. So when we came back, I mean, there were accusations that, oh, maybe when she went home to see her parents, um, they could have done something on a on oh. a grandson. Yeah, so those kind of uh, accusations were back. People think that, oh, they could have done moti on the boy, so maybe that's why he can't speak, you know. Or people will be saying um, things like, um, you know, the family that you... <laughs> <laughs> that you come from the the western side of uh, africa they are prone um to using muti they could have done um something to him you know so it was kind of like uh, from some family uh, yeah some people in the families that thought that this could be um uh, a wishcraft situation because of lack of knowledge people just think that okay maybe the son was bewitched <laughs> so oh. to say i mean it's just because of lack of uh, knowledge i mean yeah people are not um uh they uh, people are not exposed to this condition people that don't know about it some they don't know about it and then they'll just look at it like oh just pray more just pray mm. more he's gonna be healed you know yes i do believe that my son is uh has his own path i mean it's a i take a look at it that it's a different way of thinking Mm-hmm. It's not a, a situation whereby he's he needs healing. He needs um, like as in like he's bewitched or anything of that nature. It's just a neurotypical development. You know, they just think in a different way. That is uh, as opposed to a person that could be fine in terms of like uh, how can I put it? Let's say for example, in the class, he can't just go to. A mainstream class he has to go to a special needs class but then they are much more stronger when it comes to um technology things mm-hmm. like that and most um uh, kids i don't uh i don't want to use the word i grow it they just um they have a different way of learning you know there's just a different way of uh, it's just a different way of learning what what could be straightforward to you you might have a different view to it you might just get to the destination at a later period in life but then they also have their way of figuring out things right so if I'm understanding what you're saying you're saying autism firstly is not a disease um it's a it's a neurological condition Mm -hmm. and it's got nothing to do with intelligence well yeah so to say I mean is that the condition, uh, I mean, I don't want to uh, classify it as a disease. Yes, it is like a neurotypical disorder, but then like it affects people in a different way. That's why they call it a spectrum because the spectrum is so broad. So some kids could be so severe, like I mentioned, um, 
digression that you see in a kid uh, and uh, you see that, okay, they have so many difficulties, even motor skills. Some kids won't even be able to hold the pen or fit themselves, but then some kids are able to do everything by themselves, they, but they might just be affected by the speech, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it, it manifests itself in, um, in different forms in every person, like in different individuals. So, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't call it like a disease. It's mm-hmm. just, a, yeah, yeah, it's just like a disorder. Yeah. So once, once your son, once Ayo received his diagnosis mm-hmm. and you laid it out for your parents or, or your family in general and your friends, how did they take it? Were they receptive, understanding? Like, what were they like when you would unpack and share this, you know, what you were going through? Uh, I'd say, I mean, we had to, maybe the right word is school. (laughs) I had to unpack a little bit of knowledge about the condition to my parents, my sisters, what autism is like. And, for example, like, um, I mean, more... um, grandparents are more concerned about kids eating and gaining weight you know how the typical <laughs> african mom mm-hmm. is right so like that was one of the things they'll be like okay your son is malnourished what's going on so one of the things i had to emphasize is that sometimes it affects their eating they have um an eating disorder that comes with it because like i mentioned that i mean the texture something that is smooth to us can be like tastes like sand to them you know so mm-hmm. he had to come the one of the first things that he did when he came here in the states they put him in a feeding program uh at marcus autism center so marcus autism center is one of the places whereby they on autism so when we moved here then they put him in a feeding um place so where they monitored him for three months to help him with eating so but back to your question sorry so um I mean I did share with my family my immediate family but when it came to friends it's a few but then I I noticed that as much as I would share with some friends you'd hear people asking me questions like oh why are you not enrolling your son I mean for like martial arts or like some of those sports that are kind of like severe like oh try soccer but then my son also has a difficulty uh, with a few motor skills. Like, for example, he uh, he can ride, he can eat by himself and things like that. But his bone structure, like the muscle tone, is not the same like mm. another kid. He can't participate in basketball just like his little brother. Mm-hmm. He cannot um, participate like in football like any other kid. He has to like maybe consider... Um, other sports that that I kind of like are more friendly, like maybe yoga, maybe or something like mm. swimming. So swimming for them, like they call it water therapy. So it's kind of like um, instructors that teach um, autistic kids how to handle themselves in water. But then, so some of those um, comments used to annoy me that okay, you don't really know much about the condition, but then you're already comparing my son with his younger brother that is like a, a normal kid with no difficulties that, oh, why is he not playing basketball like the other kids? Or like, mm. oh yeah, why is it that when you're doing, um, maybe let's say for example, there was a period when his little brother used to like um, making TikTok videos. 
oh, why, why is he not talking in the video? Is he asking me questions that you know that my son has been attending speech therapy since he was four, that why is he not doing the same thing as his brother? So, mm. yeah, so for some friends, I kind of like did let them know about the condition, but then some of the questions I'd get back were kind of annoying and insensitive. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like for some people, there wasn't a lot of empathy or even the initiative to to say okay my my friend there's something about this autism i've never heard about it let mm-hmm. me go and you know google and and educate myself a little bit right that's unfortunate um but regardless <laughs> you powered through and uh you know you you i remember so martina and i actually reconnected because we both were invited to speak um uh, on a panel at the, what was it called? African, Pan-African Leadership Center, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's where we we reconnected. And one of the things I remember you mentioning was that part of the reason you moved from South Africa to the, uh, to the U.S. was that you wanted to get your son the kind of care that he needed in order to best support him to to give him the fullest life uh, that he could achieve now was there anything in this experience of you know going from learning that your child has autism and then all the personal struggles that you went through and then getting to a place where you were getting him all the support he needs what's something you've learned in your experience that you didn't expect to learn I mean, um, what I didn't expect to learn, I'd say, okay, so for me, I know I've mentioned this a, a, a couple of times already. I mean, when we came here, he went through some several tests um, uh, um, just to see what was going on within his system. So we also picked up that he had like... Um, um, a lot of protein in his system. So, for example, it, um, that kind of condition also affects the kidneys because your body is producing a lot of protein that it needs. So he's been on medication for that as well. So those were some of the factors that um, contributed to his eating habits. So those were some of the things that I found out. And then the fact about the texture of the food that it kind of affected his eating. But then ever since, I'd say that the one thing I'm glad about that was a good turnaround is that ever since he attended that um, feeding program for three months, I mean, he now eats everything. Like when you look at Ayo, nobody could say that, okay, he was once skinny or he was once um, malnourished. And I mean, uh, yeah, I applaud the dad for, I mean, doing the research on that. And he's the one that found out about the, about Marcus Autism Center, you know, I mean, he, he inquired about it and the, all the, all the other additional um, services that could have, uh, that they could offer to Ayo. So right now he's um, still attending speech therapy. He's doing a lot of um, occupational therapy and uh, that has really um, brought some changes because he can now say like five lit- uh, five word sentences, you know, like, hi, mommy, mommy, I'm hungry. Oh, mommy, my head hurts. For me, mm. <laughs> that is a lot. For a 12-year-old, I mean, you can imagine, Nobby, for how many years, like, my son was just like, 
pointing like literally imagine you have a six-year-old but who cannot converse with you who cannot tell you Mm. how they feel how that felt (laughs) it was a lot for me it was a lot honestly I mean so yeah I mean I don't take it lightly so um there's so many things I'm grateful for that yeah that he's achieved so far oh Martina you have so much strength it's really, it's really inspiring. I mean, I can't even say I, I can imagine. I have no idea what it's like to to experience what you have. But, you know, in that situation, it could have been easy to just completely shutter yourself in and maybe even like become reclusive because of the way the people around you were reacting. Like you said, you know, a lot of them with complete ignorance. Mm-hmm. Um but you persevered. And I mean, I love watching your Instagram because, girl, you are living it up. In fact, right now, <laughs> you are on vacation, aren't you? I am. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> A girl's got to leave. <laughs> hey, girl's got to live. I love it. You know, you, like you said, you, you make the time for yourself to nurture and nourish yourself, like going to the gym, going on this birthday trip that you're on. And I bet you that enables you to come back to the boys you know feeling refreshed and having filled your own cup and now able to be the best mom that you can for them yes yes definitely I mean yeah I mean that's why I was like okay you know what I'm just gonna focus um on making the best of every moment I mean have a routine go to the gym you know, and spend much time with my kids and put them in, uh, like, for example, I mean, um, the little brother goes to basketball every Saturday. So we go as a pack, as a family, we go and support him. And then when it comes to Ayo, like, I'm still trying to figure out what sport exactly could fit him. So I've just been doing um, research on, uh, like, in terms of what could really, what he could benefit from. That's why for now we put him in programming so that we can sharpen his um it skills so mm-hmm. yeah i mean i had to like be strong for him because i i i'm not gonna lie i had my down moments like i mean 2017 was one of the worst years i mean it, it's a lot that i mean autistic parents go through and sometimes it does lead to a lot of friction and relationships for me it led to a divorce but I mean mm. looking at the brighter side we have a good co- co-parenting um, system with the dad and yeah because like sometimes somebody can be coming uh, into um, I could have different views for me I was also coming from the Christian background that okay my son is going to be healed this and that and then the dad was coming from a practical uh, uh, a point of perspective saying that okay this we have to be realistic about this we have to find treatments for him we have to do this we have to do that but then for me everything was just overwhelming at some point I think I was in depression but I just didn't know it I mean when I look at some of my snaps back in 2017 I was like super skinny I was like mm. been through a lot I I did like have a drinking issue at the point like I was just like drowning wow. my sorrows you know so just because I didn't have an outlet like I yeah. didn't do I'm like okay I just moved overseas I don't know what to do what resources could I have for my son I don't have that support system that I had back home I don't have my mom around I don't have my sisters around everything is now all on me I lost weight <laughs> tremendously yeah. it was just that stress you know like okay 
everything is now on me. I have to handle everything. And there's some things that I didn't understand about autism back then. Like, and my son used to bite at some point. He used to bite a lot. Mm. So, so some of those things you don't know. And then I'm like, okay, I want to make new friends here. But then what if it's people that don't understand my son's condition? But then funny enough, when I look at it right now in my sector, in the close-knit friends that I have, it's like people that work in the healthcare system or that have worked in the healthcare system at some point that had um, dealt with um, special needs uh, kids at some point. And those are the people that have kept close to me because I'm like, okay, I don't want to be judged by anybody that doesn't understand that condition. I just want to keep people around me that understand my kids, that are not going to make fun of any situation and they're not going to make any fun of, you know, everything that has happened. I mean... My son did not choose to be born that way, you know. So there's Absolutely. some people, yeah, there's some people that still don't understand the condition. They'll just be like, hey, Martina, discipline your son. He can't just be doing this. But then mm. if I'm hanging out with friends that understand the condition, they're not hard on him. They're just like, okay, they, they are patient with Ayo because they understand that, okay, this is not his fault, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, so definitely, I mean, my circle is super small. And that's one of the reasons that I keep it that way because... I want to shield my son from people that don't understand the condition. I, I'm happy with the people that I have in my life. And the people, and one of my good friends has a son that has a different condition, but like we understand each other better than somebody that doesn't have kids that are on the spectrum. Mm. And yeah. also like, I imagine it would be quite tiring to constantly be having to educate people, you know, exactly. while you're just trying <laughs> to deal with your own issues. Yes, yes, exactly. You put it well, because I mean, if I'm talking to somebody that doesn't know about the condition or does not know anything about it, they'll be saying, oh, yeah, let's go on a field game. Let's go mountain hiking with the kids. But they don't understand that, okay, I might not be able to do a particular activity. And then now I have to re-explain. And then for me, it's like, okay, are you not understanding what I'm going through? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, makes um, sense to kind of like... hang around people that are empathetic to a certain extent or just like people that know a little bit about the conditions so yeah that's what I've been going through and I mean on looking at the brighter side my son is is like has definitely improved from what he was before like I told you that for me those five word sentences mean a lot to me coming from not mm. talking at all like having a six-year-old that has never said a full sentence I mean I'm appreciative of all of those little things like for now he can even tell me mommy I have a headache he'll point to his head mm-hmm. so then I'll give him medication those little things mean a lot to me yeah, yeah. <laughs> um your story is amazing Martina and I'm curious what would you say to other parents that might be listening that are going through something similar? Oh, thank you. So, I mean, to some of the parents that are going through the same um, situation as me, I mean, I'd say that take advantage of all the resources that you can find out there. Join um, autism groups out there. There's a couple of autism groups on Facebook. I used to be a part of... Um, Autism Speaks, I think I still am. And then here in the part of uh, Marcus Autism Center, it has a lot of um, information online. And then don't undermine the power of um, speech therapy services. Like speech therapy definitely helped Ayo 
and um, occupational therapy helped him a lot as well in terms of um, his social skills as well. He's now able to handle being in a small crowd, like for example, a small social setting, he can handle that. And like, for example, if your son is going through um, um, a, a feeding program, uh, for example, if he's suffering from um, a food condition, um, look out for services like a, a dietitian that could help because definitely it has something to do with the texture but then once they get um, accustomed to different types of food it helps because for for Ayo it took like a three months like he literally was in the program for three months every day they were just like trying new foods and mm. Yeah, like they taught him how to eat his veggies and then they taught him how to chew, how to handle different types of food. So like literally just like how a baby eats um, blended food and then you introduce texture. So he went through that as well. So like we would um, put four types of food on a tray and then he would um, eat each type. So initially it started off like a game. We would save some starch on the side um, that could be have a little bit of some protein like the, uh, for example your corned beef for for starters because they just wanted to stick to something that was like um that would taste the same every day so for example you know how if you make a curry one day it could be spicy the next day it could be mild so right yeah exactly so they they started him off with like things that would taste that you guaranteed that okay this is going to taste the same every day he had his beets carrots green beans everything you name it. so we started teaching him he would eat in a in a in a four-parted plate whereby everything is on side by side because sometimes you know like how you just have your food on a regular plate it can just become messed up and then for an autistic kid that can be just too much because they get they get easily annoyed by um texture so even ex for example if the food like changes color or it just looks messy mm -hmm. <laughs> they might just like eat it yeah they like things in order you have yeah. to keep to your routine and then for example if that routine changes it makes it hard for them as well so then they get frustrated and then what would you say to people who have a friend with an autistic child like and for them to to be better supportive friends yeah i mean i mean just be empathetic with people i mean sometimes you don't know what a person is going through because sometimes the school can just call you and say oh i did this today so but then you don't know what uh, what is going through my day just be nice to people just be kinder just always be kind to people you don't know what they're going through you know so just yeah just extend love to people and be be welcoming don't just um be judgmental when you don't know a situation about a kid and be like oh this kid looks more nourished but you don't know whether is he suffering from an eating disorder this kid is making echoing sounds is the mom uh, like not a strict mom is the son not being disciplined or what it could be a a situation whereby the child is trying to stimulate himself and calm himself down. So there's so many things on, that I learned throughout this journey that um, that definitely causes me to be cautious when I come to making friends because I want people that are understanding around me because, I mean, I still want to do the regular things that other regular moms do. Like I want to go to birthday parties so so for example I choose what functions I attend because I want an environment that's gonna be um 
accommodating to my son as well. So it's not every invitation that I'll honor, but just mm-hmm. I have to put my kids first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds also like people taking the initiative to educate themselves so that, mm-hmm. you know, you remove that burden from yourself of constantly having to explain especially to people that you're interacting with on a regular basis. It's like, God damn, go Google it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. That will take me back to that point that I made that, okay, you suggesting my son goes and plays football or like you're judging me. You'd like questioning that. Why is it only Ola that is playing basketball? Did I not just tell you that he has motor skills, um, a difficulty? Like, yeah. why are you asking me that kind of question when you already know that he has a challenge in a certain um, aspect, like his his bone um, mass is not the same, like, you know, like a regular kid. He's not just going to go and kick ball like any other kid. Yes, he's going to try, but why don't I strengthen him in coding or something that I know he's going to excel in because mm-hmm. um, autistic kids are known to be more sharp in terms of, um, when it comes to mathematics, some people are geniuses out there. Some become um, engineers and, yeah, like they're more stronger when it comes to technical stuff like that involves um, figuring out numbers. For example, some are mathematicians and physicians. So, yeah, but when it comes to sports, that could be a different thing because they're just not built the same way as us. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. Yeah. It sounds like you are nurturing his talent, you know, and not trying to force something else that you feel like should be age appropriate or gender appropriate. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So, Martina, tell me, what are your hopes and dreams for Ayo and Ola? <laughs> okay, thank you, Nobi. So, I mean, if different goals there's different goals for them because for me I still have some of my concerns as a mom that okay once I turn 16 is he gonna be able to drive like other kids is he gonna be independent enough so to say to go to the shops by himself one of the things I appreciate about the school system right now is that they go on um, field trips every Thursday They take them out to different restaurants. They take them out to the supermarkets. I just put um, money in this backpack and then at school, they'll take them to restaurants and then they teach them how to order their own food. They Mm. teach them how to shop for things in the shops. So that is good. I mean, I just want to see Ayo getting more and more independent by the day. I just want to see him um, do things that other kids do. I want to see him having... um, uh, a good career one day so I mean I just want to empower him in his own way and just follow what he likes more I see that he's into computers at the stage even things like um, regular electronics in the house like he's he's intrigued by stuff like um, washing machines your dryers and uh, he's intrigued by things like blenders when you're blending in the kitchen he'll come running you know mm-hmm. just uh, yeah like anything to do with um, motors and engines, he'll just be focused and looking that, okay, how does this start from A to Z? What What's going on? So, and then for Ola, definitely is his goals are also different. And I, I just want Ola just to be successful, uh, like the same way, just to be there for his brother when he grows up. I don't know how mm-hmm. things are going to turn up, but I'm hoping for the best. No, be, I'm just hoping for the best that 
I mean, God forbid anything happens to me one day, Ola has to be there for his brother. You know, whatever mm-hmm. he does when he's grown up, he just needs to be there for his older brother and not neglect him. So those are some of the fears and concerns I have. So definitely the goals that I have for them are different, but I just want to want the best for both of them. Mm, that's beautiful. And, you know, we here at the league, we wish every success for Ayo and Ola. And it sounds like, honestly, with a mom who has so much strength and love in her I mean these boys are in such beautiful hands and and that's wonderful that's that's so great oh thank you thank you so much yeah and I mean I appreciate the support that I get from um from um their dad as well he's very um very hands-on he's very hands-on and then uh, the friends that I have here they are also hands-on and uh yeah I'm grateful for that and Martina, I am so grateful to you for coming on to the show and sharing your story. Like I, like you said before, it's not easy to always be like explaining, explaining. So right. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show to educate people. And I hope uh, to the people that are listening, I hope you will take the initiative to go and do research on autism spectrum disorder, because I think in the course of our lifetimes, we are going to come across either somebody with autism or somebody who has a child with autism. Right, definitely, yes. Um, uh, I feel like uh, more people are aware of the condition. And I mean, every year on the 4th of April, it's um, Autism Awareness Day. So definitely, oh, sorry, it's the 1st of April. More people are getting uh, aware of the condition. And I mean, there's some TED Talks as well out there that uh, that speak about the condition. So, I mean, I, I mean, it's getting better, and the treatments are getting more and more um, advanced. And there's ABA uh, therapy. So, I definitely say that early intervention is what kind of matters as well. Like doing your best when the child is still young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, again, Martina, thank you so much for joining us here at the league. And thank you, Novi, for having me here as well. I, it was great to share my story. Thank you. That is it for episode nine, Understanding Autism with my guest, Martina Williams. If you have never shared an episode, please let this one be the first one that you share. It is imperative. It is important that we increase our awareness about autism spectrum disorder in our communities, in our workplaces, at church. It's important that we educate ourselves so that every child in our community, everywhere can feel valued and understood and know that they can be given the support and the love they need to live the fullest versions of their lives that they can again this is a reminder if you are enjoying the show please leave a review rate the show it makes it easier for other people to find it and if you're not enjoying the show like i said i will pray for you and i still want you to leave a rating and a review because It's good for my ego. Okay, this has been the League of Evil Moms. I am your host, Nobukosi Mafu. We are out.